are listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry, please visit EnduringWord.com. As you can tell, I'm not in my home on the west coast of the United States. I'm actually here in Germany, in a smaller city in Germany called Siegen. And we're doing our YouTube live right from here. I've got my phone set up on a little counter. And I have to tell you, the place right now where I'm doing this from is very special to me for a lot of reasons. Uh, My wife and, of course, our children, when we first came here, we lived here for seven years. And they were seven wonderful years of ministry when I was the director of a small international Bible college here in the city of Ziegen, associated with this church, Calvary Chapel of Ziegen. And the whole time, the whole experience, this church, this area is very special to me. But this particular place I'm sitting right now is the corner of an upstairs bookstore that they have. It's really a beautiful bookstore. Mandy, the pastor's wife here, kind of runs the bookstore and does an amazing job. But the thing that's super special about this place to me is I used to teach a Tuesday night Bible study. I think it was Tuesday nights here up in this corner of the bookstore. And I taught that Bible study for probably five years, except when I was out of town. And I taught through so many books of the Bible. If you were to go to my website right now, EnduringWord.com, and look up the audio from Job, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Matthew, and I think Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians, I think, uh, that's all coming from Bibles that I did I was standing almost right where I'm sitting right now when I would do those teachings. So that was a lot of fun. Special place, special time for me. And the thing that really makes this special for me is the people who I get to meet and get to see here. So I thought that this time, instead of me having a regular lead question, and we'll start getting to your questions in just a moment, uh, but what I wanted to do is just introduce you to a few of my friends, a few dear pastor colleagues and friends so the first one I introduce you to is a good friend of mine named Janos. Thank you, Nicole. That's great. So Janos, come on, sit here beside me. This is Janos Hench. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice good. to see you too. Yeah. How long you are in Germany? I am here until Tuesday. Oh, you are only yes. for, the, for the trip to here. That's right. Just yeah. here for the conference. Yeah. That's only right. for the conference. That's right. Come on around. Look, look around here. You're talking to a, a YouTube live audience right now. I'm broadcasting on my phone. Oh, very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So right <laughs> around the other side, yeah. So okay. here, and I'm just introducing Janos to our YouTube audience, and they're just saying hi. Yeah, I guess that's conference style. That's right. It's conference <laughs> right. style. Yeah, we're right here. We're just in the midst of a bookstore that's open to everybody. So yeah, yeah totally. I'm sure there'll be people coming by and doing that. And so people text in questions. They write in questions, and I answer them live on this audience. Yeah, and then we put it up on my YouTube channel, and people yeah. watch it from there as well. Ah, it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Janos, where do you live? Well, okay. Hi, David. Hi, Hi. everyone. Hi, everyone. Uh, I live in Hamburg. Okay. Which is one of the great cities of Germany, isn't it? It is the best city in Germany. It is the best city in Germany. Okay. The most, one, they, they say it's one of the most beautiful cities. Who in says Germany. this? Well, I Who? say it. Okay, you say it. Right. <laughs> I know you have a love for the city. They, they, <laughs> they, they say it. <laughs> Okay, and how long have you lived there? 
Um, we've we've lived there for nine years now. And um, you went up there to be a part of a, a church work, and now you're the pastor of that church now for several years. Yeah, um, we we went up there to um, help um, a pastor and his wife out to plant a Calvary Chapel work up there in uh, in northern Germany, and um, and then I think I guess it was in 2017 I took over right uh, the church. Right, and you name of the churches. City Light Hamburg. Right. And uh, people can find that online. They can find your ministry online. Yes. And do you do ministry at least in some way in German, of course, but then also you have English content as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, You got to know about Hamburg. It's it's a very international city. Yes. I mean, it's it's, uh, two, well, around about two million people that live there. They call it the gateway to the world Um, because uh, from Hamburg, a lot of, uh, people left uh, back in 1890 over to the new world to, right. to uh, right. America and to start a new new life over there. Um, and that's where Hamburg gained its name, the gateway right. to the world. And so up to this day, it's a, it's a big port city. Um, a lot of international people live there. And uh, so we have a lot of English speakers there as well. And it's a big media city as well, isn't it? It's a very big media city, yeah. 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 A lot of journalism um, comes from, from that city. Yes, yes. No, I'm, I'm aware of that. And it is a beautiful city. I'm going to be at Janos's church this Sunday. Are you going to let me preach? Um, I'm praying about it, Okay, yeah. good. Well, <laughs> if the Lord gives him the freedom, I'm going to be preaching uh, there at City Light Hamburg this particular Sunday, and yes. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yes. Very yes. much so. Yeah. yeah, do you know actually that I was part of uh, the first King's session that you did here in the bookstore? Were you really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, I thought that maybe you came because, yeah, people would come and go, but yeah, it's, that, that's great. I'm glad you were here for that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, everyone, I, I have to say really, um, uh, you know Dave from his commentary, you know him from YouTube Live, but we've been so blessed over here with... Um, <laughs> Having David be a part of our lives, it, I can honestly say that I wouldn't be uh, in the ministry probably if it wasn't for David Gusick. And um, the way that he encourages young pastors over here in Germany is, is just tremendous. And um, we, we keep saying amongst us young pastors over here that um, in David we have found a Paul oh. um, <laughs> as, as Tim- Timothy's, you know, and uh, just to be able to call on you whenever there's something well, it's I'm just a blessing. I'm happy to do it. And I think of us more like, you know, a Paul and a Barnabas or a Paul and a, and a, and Apollos, you know, kind of just colleagues working together because I really have a lot of respect for the pastors over here in Europe that we know. So, yeah, there's there's a great there's a great bunch of pastors over yeah, here. Yeah, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, we do. We do know. And it's 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 a wonderful thing to be serving the Lord together here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, are you ready? To maybe take a look at some of the questions yeah, that our moderator yeah, has sent to us. OK. Uh, Lupi asks a question. Please explain Isaiah 45, verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do these things. Surely God is not behind the evil that happens to people. Well, Lupi, that's a great question. And I'll I'll give you my take on this. And I'd be very grateful if Janos had any further things to say. But Lupi... We understand that God has control over everything. Now, there's some things that God directly does that he performs. There's other things that God allows. And 
there are things that God does in judgment that are considered to be evil. There are some things that God does in making distinctions, such as separating light from darkness, that are, are considered to be in, in that sense. And this is really the sense of Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7, that tells us that God is powerful and sovereign over all things, yet we also know that God cannot do evil. He cannot do sin. God cannot sin, of course. But he allows sin to happen. So in a passive sense, God does allow things, but especially with the bigger picture of his working redemption in all things. So we shouldn't take a verse like Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7, to indicate that God does evil things, but at least in the passive sense, he allows evil to happen in this world, and he allows it for a greater purpose of redemption, of redeeming all things. Jonas, do you have anything to add to that kind of idea? Well, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you, what you said. Um, I think um, that just the sense of, of uh, you know, how it compares light and darkness and that, that he is in complete control of these, all of these things, um, where a darkness is a lot of times um, associated in the Bible with um, sin and, and being rescued from darkness into light. But... But the Lord has complete control over all of these realms. Um, yes. So I, I think I, I completely agree. You see, Lupi, we want to avoid two errors. And here's the two errors we want to avoid. The first error is to think that um, things happen in this universe that God has no control over. Like God is saying, oh, I wish I could stop that, but I can't. Okay, we want to avoid that. But we also want to avoid the other uh, problem of thinking that God actually performs evil things. And so the way that we make that distinction is by what God actively does and by what God allows, and even what God allows will ultimately work together for good as he has promised. So that's a great question, Lupe. Thank you for asking that. Um, and here comes another question from Lucho. Lucho asks, is the God of Christians... Protestants and Catholics the same? Well, there you go. Hey, Janos, what do you think? Do Protestants and Roman Catholics worship the same God? It's a, it's a good question. David would say it's a good question. <laughs> I would say it's a good question because you hear me say that an awful lot, don't you? On the yeah. live Q&A? Because I believe our viewers, our listeners, they ask a lot of really good questions. And I think that's a fine question to ask. And I, I'll give you, what do you think here? Well, it, I, I, would say, um, I would say both yes and no. Okay. Um, because yes, we, we do worship the same God. Uh, I know a lot of very devoted Catholics. I know a lot of very devoted Protestants. Um, in essence, I would say um, if we worship Jesus Christ, um, you know, God's Son, God, the Son, um, who came down from heaven to uh, live a perfect life and to uh, die for, for us on the cross for our sin, that we recognize that we're sinners and we're only saved by Jesus Christ. Yes, I would wholeheartedly say that, um, that we worship the same God. However, um, both in um, a lot of Protestant churches and, and also Catholic churches, there is... Um, influences and teachings that we would not agree with, um, that the Bible does not teach. Um, 
and so there's a lot of idolatry um, mm. I would say especially in the in the uh, in some of the Catholic teachings that has come in over many years very uh, a lot of traditions that are being held up above the Bible mm. and I think that's where we need to be careful if something is held up above the Bible um, and and the Bible is uh, being thrown out I think that uh, that is where we have to say no we don't believe that and, and it's not that does not represent the, the God of the Bible such as to value church tradition over what the Bible says directly yes that would be one example of that yeah, yeah. no Janos I would agree with you I, the, the 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 basic Roman Catholic theology of God, who God is, who Jesus is, what the Trinity is. I, I don't think that most Protestants or Bible-believing Christians would have a lot of disagreement with it, but especially sometimes in the practice of Roman Catholicism or in the practice of some Protestants as well, they get their conception of God wrong. Um, as you mentioned, I think very well, uh, sometimes into things that, that at least tend towards, if not actually practice, idolatry. Um, but what, one thing that I would kind of stress in that is I, I always like to remind people that getting to heaven is not a matter of belonging to the right group. Yes. Or going to hell is not a matter of belonging to the wrong group. Yes. Oh, oh you, you, you went to a Roman Catholic church or you went to a Protestant church, oh, well, then you're going to heaven. No, I mean, it's about the individual's relationship of faith and true repentance towards God and those kind of things, rather than belonging to a certain group. And that, that's really what I like to stress. I find it very common for people wanting to bring it back to, well, what group do you belong to? That determines whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because and and I would also add this is this is the the topic of this conference. You know that it's yes. a, the the topic is family reunion and um, just the reminder that we're one family. Yes, um, if we believe in the essential in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we're saved, we're sinners saved by grace and yes. grace alone. That there's nothing that we can do. I think then um, you know we're we, we're on the same ground. Then then we're the family of God together. Yeah. Yeah, that is, I, I don't know if I mentioned that at first, I am here specifically for a conference. And this conference, uh, we've been doing it since 2006, the May conference here at Calvary Chapel Ziegen. And for the last two years, we haven't been able to have it because of COVID difficulties. And Janos, wouldn't you say, it's an amazing thing to be together. There's such a wonderful atmosphere. And I'm so glad that Pastor Alex Krusa here of Calvary Chapel Segan decided to put on the conference this year yes. and to give it the theme of uh, family reunion. It just seems perfectly, seems to fit very well. Yeah, it's, it's so great to, to see everybody again and, um, and just, just to know that we're part of the family and yes. that, that we're not fighting alone. And that um, yes. I think that that has kind of been lost over the, the past two and a half years, I would say. Yeah, it really has been a sense of isolation that is still kind of lingering with people regarding uh, COVID restrictions and all the rest of it. So, yeah. One for, okay, next question comes from Jordan, who asks, what is your view on believers missing church when they desire to attend? I guess maybe only coming to church when they kind of want to. How, Janos, how important is church attendance to someone's Christian life? 
I, I think it's a, well, no, okay, I gotta be careful here. It's not essential, but it is very important. And I think this conference shows it once more how important fellowship is and how, um, how important it is to be, uh, to, to realize that we're, you know, we're not loners. We're not, mm, we're not yes. out there alone uh, living our Christian life, but we are called to be the family of Christ. And, um, you know, and the Bible exhorts us over and over again not to miss out, yes. uh, to, uh, to not be alone, uh, that we are, um, we are living stones being put together yes. as, as the house of God. And um, it, well, it, to be honest, you know, we, it, it's hard. It's hard to be church. It's hard to come to church. And yes. It's hard to not agree with people on, on certain issues. But Sometimes it's hard to get along with people. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I think that's the beauty of church as well. You know, it's, it's that we're not all the same. Yes. But we're all called into one body, into one family. And I think that's, a, that's the beauty of, of being the church of Christ. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, obviously there's some people who would like to attend church, but for whatever reason they can't. You know, maybe it's a problem with practical things. Maybe it's a problem with their health. Maybe there's just situations like that. Yes. Um, and I'm also myself, Janos, I'm pretty generous to the idea that the real important thing for us is fellowship of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm pretty generous with people having genuine fellowship, genuine community as believers outside of institutional churches. But this is an important part of the Christian life. And if somebody's lacking it, they're, they're missing out in some way. And I, like you said, I think we, we're feeling it, how good it is to be back together in this wonderful group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the question is not about, okay, what is church? But right. That's, because that's there, true. Because there's different, yes. there's many different definitions of yes. what, what is, what, con, how, what does a church consist of? Good. Um, and I, I would also say I'm very generous with that. Yeah, but, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Let me go to the next question from Jake. Jake asks this question. What's the best way to evangelize? The Bible says to make disciples. It doesn't say converts. Yes. So should we make converts a priority or only disciples? Jay, uh, man, Giannis, that's a good question. I mean, should our emphasis be on making converts or disciples? Well, I think, Jake, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the Bible does not say that we're supposed to make converts. And I think that, that discipleship is much more than making converts. I think that the Bible does exhort us to um, go out mm -hmm. and evangelize, that we're not ashamed of the gospel, um, but that we, that, that is not the only thing that making disciples consists of. It, yes. it is um, sharing life, it's inviting, it's uh, giving opportunity to grow in the Christian faith and, um, and also to, to be an example of the believers um, and I think that, uh, you know, Ephesians tells us, you know, that um, that we are supposed, mm. you know, at, at least as church leadership, we are supposed um, to use our gifts to exhort um, the body of believers and uh, yeah. that, that um, they grow up. And I think that's... That's, that's really right, to bring God's people into maturity. To bring them into yeah. maturity, yeah. Missing the English words. Yeah, and, and in the in the Great Commission, that's what Jesus told his his followers to do: go out and make disciples of all the nations. Yeah, 
You know, and, and let me bring up something kind of on, on, a, on a connection to that. Um, there was a prominent American pastor. He, he has a huge church in Atlanta. His name's Andy Stanley, and I think the name of his church is North Point Church. And I, I don't say his name to heap criticism upon him, but just trying to clarify something. A, a few years ago, he said that we didn't really need to preach the Old Testament uh, to people, that, you know, that, that it wasn't essential. And as I kind of understood what he was trying to say and the message he was trying to get at, I think what he was trying to say is you, you don't need the Old Testament to be converted, you, you don't need the Old Testament to become a Christian, to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And and you know, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay, but I think you do need the whole Bible yeah. to really be a disciple. Yes. And, and, and this is what I think his error was in his thinking on this, was he spoke as if our only goal is to convert people. As if it's like this, what's the bare minimum anybody has to have to get to heaven and then that's the only message we're going to preach. Where that shouldn't be our message. We we should yes, we should be telling people how to uh, you know come in right relationship with God through what Jesus Christ has provided for us in His death, in His resurrection, and in every part of it. I'll mention His ascension because today is Ascension Day, right. and, and the full work of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He did. Yes, but but for people to be discipled properly. They need the whole counsel of God. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think that was kind of the error in his, in his thinking, in his approach, thinking only in terms of the very bare minimum of conversion or evangelism and not working towards discipleship. Yes. But I also think I do want to bring up, because a lot of people um, tend to avoid the bringing the, the gospel, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, that it, it's so much easier to just befriend people mm. and to be a good, you know, friend to them and to, to um, you know, bring them closer to faith and then let God do the rest. Yeah. I think it, it need, there, we need to come to the point where we, you know, where we tell people, hey, you know, this is the gospel. You know, yes. You know, we are sinners. Oh, okay, okay. So you don't necessarily kind of agree with or buy into that statement that I think is wrongly attributed to Francis of Assisi, where he said, um, preach the gospel at yes. all times, and if, if necessary, necessary, use words. words. Yeah. So no. you, you would be like, you're not in that camp. By the way, I've heard that he never said that. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah okay. Maybe I've heard it from you, though. Okay. Uh, maybe so. <laughs> okay. Could be. Could be. But... Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, yes, we should live out the gospel. Yes, we should be living examples in that. But we're also commanded to preach. This yes. is what Jesus told us to do. And that, and that is to explain the message, the good news. Yeah. So what's the best, what's the yeah. best way to evangelize? You know, I think there's so many ways. Yes. You know, I've, I've, I've seen great, you know, Ray Comfort, you know, yes. has some great material out yes. there. Um, you know, preaching the gospel on a, on a given any given Sunday. You know, that's a great way to evangelize. <laughs> I mean, I, yes, I, I've is. seen many people come to the faith yes. through that. You know, exactly so. Um, and befriending people and bringing them to church, and then the pastor preaches. You know, that's yes. a great way as well. So I yes. think that, you know, there's not no definite answer. Um, it comes down to the gospel. That's right. And it comes down to no. It's not only that. You know, bring them to faith. 
But it's also discipling. Yeah, the gospel is a message. It's something that has to be conveyed, has to be spoken or communicated in some sense. Yes. Not Yes, it should be lived out, but it needs to be more than lived out. Yes. Good. Yeah. Janos, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it was great. I, I see a, a second friend that I wanted to introduce to everybody, if he's ready to come. I don't know if he is. I think yeah. he is. And he's great. He okay, he, okay, he rushed over here. We'll give him a minute just to breathe. There, there, there's no big hurry on that. Okay. So. Well, thank you for having thanks. me. Thanks. I'll see you on Sunday. Well, I'll see you yeah. later today or tomorrow later or whatever. Today but, or tomorrow. but I'll be preaching at your church on Sunday. Awesome. Okay, again, City Light Hamburg. City Light. How, how do people find it on, online? Just, they would just search for that? Yeah, just Google City Light Okay, Hamburg. good. Okay, yeah. good. All right. Wonderful. We'll find us. Thanks. All right. God bless you. to your friend. Okay, great. All right. Uh, so we're going to continue on. Now, I want to introduce you to another person, my friend Stan Marinison. Stan, come. Yeah. Sit down. You don't have to. You're fine the way you are. That's it. Say hi to everybody, Stan. Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm Stan. Stan, we've known each other for a long time. A long time, yeah. Early 90s. Yeah, early yeah. 90s. Man, that is a long time. Yeah. So, and uh, you grew up in America. I did. But you're a Dutch citizen, uh, Netherlands yeah. citizen. Yeah. Would you say Dutch citizen, Netherlands? What's, yeah, what's yeah. the yeah, best yeah, way yeah, to Dutch, say it? Dutch, Dutch. Okay, I, yeah. I want to be, you know, get, get it right. <laughs> Dutch citizen, uh, and then you moved back to do ministry a long time ago to yeah. the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. I was yes. born in Holland and then uh, immigrated to the States when I was eight with my parents, family. Yeah. And I grew up in Southern California, got saved, and then moved to Holland, my home country, yeah. as it were, yeah. Yeah. to yeah. plant a Calvary Chapel. Yeah. So he came over with his wife, uh, Marnie, mm -hmm. and their children uh, many years ago and lived. His children are all grown up. Uh, and Stan and his wife Marnie are wonderful friends to Ingalil and I, and we just love it every time we get to see yeah. you and yeah. spend time with you. Yeah. yeah. So where is your church? We are in uh, the Netherlands, in uh, the area around Amsterdam by the Amsterdam Schiphol Airport. We're about 15 minute, about a 15 minute car ride from the uh, the Amsterdam airport. And that puts you what maybe 30 minutes outside the city of Amsterdam. Yeah, 40, we're, about, we're about a 30 minute uh, okay. ride. Okay. Yeah. 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 From the city center. Yeah. Wonderful. And you've been telling me, it's a wonderful season at your church, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 Isn't that great? Yeah, I love it. Because <laughs> look, any of us in ministry, uh, we know what it's like to have hard seasons in mm -hmm. ministry. Yeah, I mean, we do. We'll just be honest about it. So when it is a good season, it's like, praise the Lord. Yeah. We want to enjoy it and just be blessed by it and, and just continue to do God's work. Yeah, yeah. Good. And we are enjoying it. So. Yeah. yeah. What's the name of your church and how can people find you online? Okay, so the name of the church is Calvary Chapel Haarlemmermeer. That means the Lake of Harlem. Yeah. And it's just calvarychapel.nl. Okay, that's yeah. Our, that's our website. We're also on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, under the same name, Calvary Chapel Haarlemmermeer. And Stan, your uh, materials, your preaching and teaching, has got a fair amount of traction in the Dutch language, right? It has. Because there's not necessarily many people teaching expositionally verse by verse through the Bible in the Dutch language. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So um, we started, um, you know, putting our stuff online from the get go, but then it was mostly just audio, audio files, MP3s. And when I decided to start a, um, a verse by verse through the book of Revelation, uh, we thought, you know what, we should use YouTube, we should put it yes. online and just all the other platforms. And uh, since then, um, we've, we've, you know, our online presence has brought over, yeah, brought on, actually brought so many more people, not only physically to the church, 
but we, you know, based on all the Google analytics and stuff, yeah. we have people worldwide, wow. you know, um, downloading, because it's all free, downloading yeah. our messages and yeah. looking on YouTube and all that stuff like that. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, this man, Stan Marinison, sitting next to me, he is unique. And I'll tell you why he's unique, for many reasons. He's the only one that has content on EnduringWord.com other than myself. Because uh, instead of translating my commentary into the Dutch language, we have simply uh, uploaded uh, more and more of Stan's commentary and teaching notes and such like that. So you can find that on EnduringWord.com under the commentary menu. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for those contributions. No, thanks. It's a, it's a privilege, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to have been asked to put my content on your website. Good, yeah. good. We've got to make sure we've got a good system of backlinks working. I'll talk to you about that. Okay. okay. Anyway, uh, Stan, you, how about we sit in for a couple questions here? Sure. You, you okay with that? No hard questions. Though. Okay, well, I don't know if they're hard or not. <laughs> I mean, these come to me cold. Okay. Um, Michael, or Michelle, I don't know exactly how you pronounce their name. How do we biblically pray against sickness? What's your take on loosing and binding? Well, how do you do that? How do you pray when somebody's sick? Uh, Stan, I mean, if, if somebody were to come to you after church this mm -hmm. coming Sunday, Pastor, I'm sick, would you pray for me? Mm -hmm. How would you pray? Um, I, I keep it really simple. Mm -hmm. um, I pray for the, for the person, um, pray that God, who is able to heal, that he would heal. Yes. But it is his prerogative. I mean, we cannot demand that God does anything so I, I completely uh, am not in favor of, um, you know, binding the enemy or loosing this sickness or anything of that nature. I just pray and ask God to be merciful, to be gracious, to use his healing power to touch this person, whether it be right then and there or, you know, even through, through modern medicine. You know, God can heal through modern medicine as well. Mm. So just a variety of different things. It all depends on the person, on the situation. Yes. Uh, the severity of, you know, whatever it is their, their ailment is. Um, so. we, we pray believing God can heal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. God's a healing Absolutely. God, and he, yeah. and he does. But just as Stan said, we don't want to pray presuming that God will heal immediately. Now, this is one thing that I tell people. I, I believe that God has promised perfect healing to every believer. And ultimately, we call that resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Amen. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for sure. There's nobody going to be sick in heaven. No. no. So, so God has promised perfect healing salvation to our bodies. And he is very kind and generous to give gifts of healing before then. Then mm -hmm. we should feel free to ask and trust yeah. him for them, yeah. all the while leaving it in his hands. Yeah. Now, you, you asked, um, Michael, about binding and loosing. I want you to go, if you can, take that passage. I can't remember which gospel that's in. It's in Matthew. It's in Matthew? Yeah. Okay. I think it's either Matthew 16 or 18. That's at the end of chapter uh, 18. I would recommend 18. that you yeah. go to my commentary on that because I'll tell you some of what I have in my commentary on EnduringWord.com is I talk about how those were rabbinic phrases that they would use in that day and, and basically, binding or loosing determined whether or not a person was obligated to keep a certain law or free under a law. 
And I think that the way that the rabbis of Jesus' day used that terminology was very helpful in understanding what Jesus was getting at when he made those promises. Basically, I think he was giving those apostles, those disciples that he spoke to, kind of the authority to be the, the apostles for the first century church. Yeah, so... Again, thank you for that question, um, Michael. Another question from Barry here asks us, was Nebuchadnezzar sincere in conversion? At the end of Daniel 2, he declares that truly God is the God of gods, yet in Daniel 3, he erects a gold statue to be worshipped. Wow, how about that? Do you think <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar's conversion? That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I don't think the the jury's out on that, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can go either way. We, I, I really, I personally, I really don't know. I mean, it looks like he could have repented and calling, you know, the, the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, uh, the the only God. But then again, I, I really don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, kind of the choices that were left here is he could have been a false convert. That's possible. Yeah, yeah. Or he could have been a genuine convert who later fell into error, yeah, fell into did, sin. Did something stupid, yeah. Stan, is it possible for genuine believers to do stupid things and to fall into error? Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. that can happen. Yeah. I, I would lean towards the side of saying that he was genuinely converted, but you can't say for sure. Just yeah. like Stan said, we, we really don't know. Um, you, you know, sometimes uh, we, we have, you know, we, we need to confirm that we're in the faith. Mm -hmm. we, we can't categorically say for somebody else especially somebody who lived 3,000 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um... Yeah, based on a few statements that they made. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But Nebuchadnezzar's declaration in Daniel chapter 2 is certainly dramatic and noteworthy. So I, I would kind of lean towards the side of saying he was a genuine convert who later fell into error. But again, we, we, we won't know for sure until we get to heaven and look, to heaven. Yeah. see if Nebuchadnezzar's yeah. up there. Hey, Nebu. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. Uh, next question comes from Kike. Kike asks, uh, I'm a woman, and my pastor recently suggested that he saw ministry in me. I'm a woman. How can I be effective in my new church? Okay, Kike, I, I need to just explain for you and for all of our viewers that we're talking about things that are of some controversy among Christians. Christians aren't of united opinion on these things, but look, you're asking us, and we're happy to give you our, our take on this, our, our, our view on this, and, and how I would say it is that God uh, has not called women to be leaders in, in the main sense, in the general sense, in congregations. Uh, I, I take that from many passages of scripture. You could go to a teaching I have on 1 Timothy chapter 2, where I deal with that in some depth. Not long ago, Stan, I put out a video that said, um, I, I spoke to women pastors okay. and, and how I kind of understand what they do and how, how I, oh, you know, I would I speak that. to them. That was yeah. Gracious. yeah. Well, you know, I tried yeah. to be gracious yeah. because again, I, these are believers. These are sisters in Christ right. that I may think that they're an heir about something, but uh, they're still sisters in Christ mm -hmm. and deserve to be spoken to respectfully. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> what we don't want to give anybody the impression is that um, women aren't essential partners in the work of the kingdom. They absolutely are. To, to do the work of God's kingdom, we need men and women working together in partnership. We, we believe that God has ordained an order and a structure to that, 
But um, absolutely, we, Kike, I would just absolutely tell you that there is valuable ministry for you to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not as being a ruling elder of your church or not being a pastor over a congregation, but there's vital ways that God can give you to serve and minister to the people in your congregation, in particular, uh, other women in the congregation, as spelled out by the New Testament, the responsibility of women teaching other women. And, and of course, women have actively had roles in teaching children, in evangelism, in service, in all kinds of things. We need the contributions of men and women working together in the work of God's kingdom. So yes, there's tremendous ministry for you to do, and, and I, I would pray that you would fulfill it fully in, in, in the, the order, the, the arrangement that God has ordained. Sam, would you say anything else about that? Yeah, the question uh, ends with this question, how can I be effective in my new mm. church? And you know, trying to figure out what God has called you to do, what he wants you to do in any local context, um, means in any way, in my experience, means that you just have to try things. You know, step out in faith, uh, look for where you can serve. Um, there's so many, there's always many opportunities mm. to serve, always work to be done. And I would yeah. just say, just step out of the boat, step in faith, and, and, and try different things, and let God and the people in the church affirm you and confirm you in that which, uh, or in that which, you know, to which you've been called. That's a great word. You know, th there's something wrong with anybody, man or woman. You know, their gender doesn't matter at this point. There's something wrong with a man or a woman who says, well, I'll serve if I can be in charge. <laughs> you know, that, that's just not a right heart for anybody to have. And, and so, yeah, Stan, you're right. There's, there's areas to serve. There's areas to be effective in that service. So, great. Thank you for that question, Kike. Um, here's a question from Godchild who asks regarding Joshua chapter 7. They say on April 15, 2021, oh boy, they're going back to a previous Q&A. <laughs> wow. Q &A. wow. Okay, yeah. uh, Q&A, you answered that Achan's whole family that was stoned and burned, but your commentary says that it was just Achan and his possessions. Please clarify. Um, Stan, to my memory, you know, I, I, I would have to look at my commentary to, to look that up right now, but to my memory, it does say that Achan's family was also stoned. That Wasn't is correct, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that it is. It says it in the scripture itself. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, yeah. it, perhaps, um, <clears throat> Godchild, that I made an error in that, For if I would say, if I did say that, um, you know, again, I'd, I'd have to go back and read it. I, I think it's pretty clear that it says that Achan and his family, and the whole idea behind it was that his family was at least in some sense culpable, or that's another word for like blameworthy, uh, because these possessions were hidden under their tent, under their home. They knew. They, they were in some sense part of his crime uh, in that sense. So uh, listen, Stan, this is like true confession time. We're being honest with our viewers here. Uh, I, I have to make corrections to my commentary all the time. Uh, my commentary is 4.2 million words in its entirety, and uh, not every word in there is correct. So some of them are spelling errors or grammatical errors, some of them are missing word here and there, and some of them I just maybe overlooked by something or expressed myself poorly. So thankfully, the Bible is infallible. Any commentary on the Bible is not. And so I don't really get troubled by the idea. Oh, uh, woe is me. I, there's something I got wrong in the commentary. Maybe I'll take the whole thing down. I just, you know, I, I kind of used to feel a little bit like that a long time ago. I'm over it. 
Yeah, I'm over it. Well, these these questions are great though because it helps you to bring those corrections. That's right. In, in Absolutely. So. And so I'm gonna remember. Gotcha. I'm gonna make a point to go back and look at my commentary on the Book of Joshua and Chapter Seven and make sure that there's not something I would want to. And if I do correct it, I'll correct it on the website and on the app. So good. By the way, Stan, I got good news to tell people. We have a big revision to our app almost ready for release. Okay. It's so exciting. We've been kind of stuck with our app for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we're ready to make some changes. And so that release should be coming out pretty soon. If you have the Enduring Word app, either on your iPhone or Android, watch out for it uh, for the update that hopefully will come out pretty soon. You want to share some things up? No, no, no. <laughs> no I, would, I would share them on my phone, and it's the phone doing oh, the thing. Oh, okay, right. there you go. Yeah. Okay, all right. All right, Stan, we got another pastor hey, here. Kurt. So say goodbye to everybody. Tell them about Bye, your everybody. church again. Calvarychapel.nl. And That's, there's also a second Calvary Chapel in Holland now. We planted that three yes. years ago. And that is uh, ccflavoland.nl. That is a Calvary Chapel in Flavoland. That's another province about an hour away from us. Yeah, but they could all find it just from calvarychapel.nl. Yeah. Yeah, 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 great, yeah. great. Thank and that you. has links to your YouTube and other content yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Check it out. If you know Dutch speakers, wherever they are, get, get them to Stan's <laughs> material. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, thanks. Thank it was you. Great. Stan. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Next up, this is like family reunion time. We're having all kind of people here. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Wait. I don't know if I should say in the print. Did I save the best for last? Yeah, you did. You did. Absolutely. <laughs> I saved the most outrageous for last. This, this, <laughs> this has the possibility of, I don't know. Can I, can I watch? Yeah, sure. Feel free to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to introduce everybody to my friend Kurt Ibbotson. Kurt. Hi. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Kurt is, is a longtime friend. Man, I don't know. It's got to be probably, but I, I met you when I first came up. We didn't yeah. meet before. No, we didn't. So, before, I mean, so. it's been close to 20 years that we've known yeah. each other. And one thing I especially appreciate about Kurt, he, he pastors a healthy church in Leipzig. There aren't the, the work of church planting and having the gospel is difficult in Europe, but the former Eastern Germany is much more difficult. It's just harder ground to plow. Well, everybody thinks their ground is hard, yeah. but yeah. We okay. know ours is the That's hardest. right, yes, of course. <laughs> but one of the things I love about Kurt too is he has a real heart for our brothers and sisters in Scandinavia. And so Kurt and I have done ministry together in Scandinavia with a Calvary Chapel conference and ministering to Calvary Chapel pastors and Christian workers over there. And I'm just so blessed by Kurt and his wife Tiffany's heart for yeah. the people over there. So it's great. We get to spend time almost every year together, don't we? We do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and so it's tell, tell me about your church. Yeah, so um, 24 years ago, my wife and I, who really is the better half, um, yeah, and um, me too. <laughs> you're my, you're my better. No, no, no I'm not your better half. My <laughs> wife is my better half. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, we went 24 years. We moved to to Leipzig, and um, we planted a church there, and we've been there ever since, um, just faithfully planting the church. Um, well, establishing it, discipling, and uh, growing. It's a large university city, so the first it was quite a while. People would go to the university and. Uh, after they were finished, there was no jobs. I think it was 18 to 20% unemployment when we first wow. moved there. Wow. 
And uh, now things have stabilized. There's work, so more and more now we have families staying. And, and yeah, Leipzig is like a thriving city. It's a city on the rise, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's one of the fastest growing cities in Germany. Right wow. wow. And so, yeah, God's a faithful. We have a small church, maybe 30, 40 people who come out, but yeah. um, most of them have gotten saved through our ministry there and being yeah. there, which is really, it's really fun and healthy. And you know, the people come in; they have no knowledge of Jesus. The people who get <laughs> saved. The, some of them don't even know that, you know, Jesus' mother and father were Mary and Joseph. They you know, for a lot of our American audience, that's like foreign to them. I mean, yeah. the, I suppose there's more and more people in America like that. But, I mean, everybody knows at least just from the culture around them. But a lot of the people you're dealing with, they have zero, zero. They have zero. Um, yeah. I mean, the first guy who got saved, um, and he came to church for probably six months. And he would come every faithful, every Sunday. Wow. And... Professed to be an atheist um, every Sunday, and when he got saved, you know, I asked him like, "Why? Did, what, what kept you coming?" And he says, "I needed to know how the story went." And we were going through the Book of Matthew, and he had no clue what happened to Jesus at the end. Yeah, and almost kind of didn't know that he could read it for himself. He's like, "Don't tell anybody." <laughs> yeah. But those are the people oh, we're dealing with. And it's just a blessing when they when they get saved and, and are discipling. They just suck up the word of God. They just take it yeah. at face value, which yes. is which is really Beautiful. nice, but it's it's sometimes challenging. Because they actually I, believe it. They actually believe it. It's challenging for me because sometimes I'm like, oh, a lot of this Christian stuff I've been doing is not really biblical. So yeah, you learn a lot and oh, it challenges yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's great. it's been a blessing. Well, Kurt's a good friend and he's a, a faithful and fruitful pastor. Uh, to me, Kurt's a great example of a pastor that shows that you don't have to have a large congregation to have a significant impact for the kingdom yeah. and that that's a blessing so all right can we get to a couple questions here? yes how, how would people find out your church what's your online presence or whatever um, online it's, a, it's all in german but um yeah because you preach in german yeah i preach in german other. we do it but if there's any germans out there it's d um like a minus uh, kapelle minus leipzig dot de okay that's our website okay Excellent, so, excellent. Now, you you grew up in Europe. I grew up, yeah. When I was 12, my parents moved to Austria, and so I grew up as a teenager. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I spoke German, and then moved to Germany and realized Austrians... The Austrians don't really... It's, it's careful. If it's a different, different German. Okay, who speaks worse German, the Austrians or the Swiss? I understand the Austrians because I live there, so... Okay, I, yeah. All right. I'll just All push right. it on the Swiss. All right. Okay. Well, sorry. We don't mean to offend our Swiss audience. Okay. Um, here's a question from Joanne. Joanne asked this question. A friend stated the gospel was more about living in the kingdom of heaven before you die and less about how to get there after death. I'm puzzled by this, your view. Okay. Kurt, I, well, here's kind of the thing. There, there are some people who think that... Um, Modern Christians, we emphasize heaven too much, where really the gospel was really about bringing God's kingdom to this earth. And um, I would say that I disagree. Now, in principle, there could be um, Thank lots you for of. Whoever put how that about up there? that? Well, that's Devin, our moderator. He put the link right up at Flash. Devin, Is that here, great? Man. He's a sharp man. Thank you, Devin. Yep. Okay, so. The, the idea is, is that the gospel is mostly about transforming this world right now in the name of Jesus and only very little about heaven. Mm -hmm. I would just say, 
I think the Bible talks a lot about heaven. Now, it, it does want us to make an impact for the kingdom of God here right now, and we should not forget that. It, it, it's not only about heaven, but there... Devin says, you're welcome. Okay, great. So it, it, it's not only about heaven. God wants us to live out and to advance the ideas of his kingdom right here, right now. But w when I've read that analysis from people, I, I just... It seems then when I'm reading the Bible, it seems to be talking a lot about heaven and a lot about our heavenly hope. Yeah. So, And honestly, I think if, if we're building the kingdom of heaven here on earth, it's, yeah, it's not a lot to look forward to. And, and when, when the Lord speaks of the kingdom of heaven, it's like a beautiful thing that on this earth will never come close to what, um, you know. And I think a lot of people beat themselves up because they think, you know, we're living in the kingdom. We have to build the kingdom here. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not possible. It's, it's something that, you know. There's, there's different ideas at how people look at, you know, kind of the fancy word for it is eschatology. It's kind mm -hmm. of what the Bible says about the last things and the return of Jesus. And some people think that it's kind of the church's mission and duty to establish, to convert the world and establish the kingdom of God on earth, then Jesus will return. But then there's others, myself, and I take it for granted, Kurt as well, that we really believe, no, it really works. Jesus will return and establish his kingdom. We both believe that the earth is going to have the kingdom of God gloriously established, but we're just kind of, of the opinion that's going to happen in fullness when Jesus returns. So, I think you can't pick out you know, the things that you like and say, this is what the kingdom of heaven should be like. Like, I mean, how are you going to get the lion and the lamb to lay down together? Yeah. I don't know. They'll lay down together, but only one of them is going to get up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that question, Joanne. Yeah. Next question from Mariel asks, is it possible that Christians will marry and have children during the millennium? Well, since it's not heaven. Yeah. Okay. Mariel, Exactly. I think that, okay, there, there's kind of two categories of people during the millennium. There's the people who dwell on this earth who have survived through the tribulation and the battle of Armageddon. And then there's another class of people that are like those who have been resurrected from the dead. The, the people who have been resurrected from the dead, they will not marry or have children. But the people who inhabit earth, yes, they, they will, and could I, I've often thought that, that when I take a look at the millennium, that life will be much more like life that we see in the world today than we commonly think. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll have a different government, it'll have a different environment, there'll be different kind of rules around, there'll be definite changes, but there's still gonna be mountains and roads and nations and things like that, so. I think life will be more like this life than we think, but yet at the same time, there will be radical changes. I don't know, anything else to add? I hope that helps you there, Mariel. So our answer is yes. For those who dwell on the earth, they will be able to marry and have children. Yeah. Okay, and then another one from Mariel. We got two Mariels, one Mariel ID and the other one Mariel. In, okay, uh, another one from Mariel. Is it possible to be a Christian and not to cry? When I go to church, I get sad because others are crying and I'm not. Some people say they cry alone when they repent. It has happened to me, but rarely. I'll answer that Kurt one. Kurt Ibbotson, how yes. would you answer that question? 
Okay, so the question I is... I wouldn't be a Christian. Is it, is it possible to be a Christian and not to cry? Yeah. You're not a crier? I'm not a crier. Um, and it makes my wife really mad. But it, frust- yeah. it, fr- it frustrates her. But, yeah, I mean... Uh, okay, well, Kurt, if you don't mind me asking, yep. why are you not a crier? Is your heart made of stone? Is that why you're not a crier? You know, I, I ask myself that a lot of times. You know, I remember, yeah. I remember somebody taught a whole message on, you know, repenting and, and weeping before the Lord. And, and I was just like, man, my heart... And, and it you're be, like, I don't do that. I don't, I don't do that. But I wouldn't cry, you know, if, if someone hurt my feelings. I wouldn't cry if I was yeah. sad. I, my father died, you know, five years ago. I didn't cry. It's just not a part of who I am. And yeah. I realized and God comforted me um, in the fact that God's not out there trying to make us fake it. So he just said, yeah, have a real relationship with me. And um, if, you know, someday... I'm getting old now. My eyes start weeping. I'm not crying, but <laughs> it looks like I am. Tearing up. Yeah, yeah. no, you're just old. Yeah. It's like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, things change. My dad was a crier. He, he, you know, he really? Would, yeah, he would pray and he would preach and he would, he would cry. But wow. I'm like my mom and just, this is not who I am. It might be that God changes me someday, but I tried to force it. I tried to yeah. work out, you know, I, I remember one day on my knees in front of my bed, just begging the Lord, make me cry, make me cry, so that you know I feel like I truly repented. Yes, He's like, I see your heart, yeah. and not your tears. Yeah, and that really encouraged me. Just be real with the Lord, and if He wants you to cry, the Holy Spirit has the power to overcome you in such a way that you know you'll start bawling your eyes out. Uh, I'm not much of a crier, so it's pretty rare for me to shed tears. I mean, obviously it's happened a few times, but it it is pretty rare. And I've struggled with kind of the same thing. And and what I've thought is I just want to say, okay, am I consciously trying not to cry? You know, as if, oh, it would be embarrassing or disgraceful. And no, I just say, look, I I just look inside and assess my heart and say, no, I'm not trying not to cry. And so I'm not going to try to cry. And, And just as Kurt said, just kind of be natural and real. So, Muriel, we would just say release yourself from that burden. And it says... You know, that when you cry, they repent. Um, yeah, that's not even biblical. I mean, there is nowhere in the scripture that says yes. repent and weep. Uh, that, 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 you know, it's, it's a heart issue. Yeah, the reality of repentance is not proven by tears. No. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Good, good one there. Okay, uh, next question. Do you see that name? Ko- the last name, Olorla. Please forgive me for not saying your name correctly. Uh, Olomu, let's just do your, your second name, your last name. Um, Olomu, uh, here's the question. I'm doing a research on how the women who financially supported Christ's ministry could have made their money. Any ideas, please? Luke chapter eight, verses one through three, or for that matter, Martha, who had her own house. Hey, Kurt, are you aware of this? Uh, the, the, I, I'm kind of familiar with the passage he cited, so I'm not mm-hmm. gonna, but it talks about in Luke chapter eight, how there were these women who had financial resources and they supported Jesus yeah. uh, and the apostles, presumably, in the ministry that they did. So um, what, what do you think about that? Where did they get their money? Well, I mean, some of them worked. You look at the, the seller of purple, who was a Dorcas? Uh, Lydia, Lydia, actually. Yeah, and, you know, she was obviously wealthy. They had the church in their home. Yeah, purple would have been like high-end clothing. Yeah. She would have been do- heading. And, and she was obviously a, a great businessman. So it wasn't, you know, the, I, I would, I'm assuming um, 
uh, you know, through her hard work and through her um, dedication to, you know, yeah. the Lord, she was able to provide for... Okay, and, and it was not unknown for women to have businesses in those days, to, to women to be entrepreneurs or to make money that way. Okay, so there's that. Um, I, I can think of a few ways that women could have had money. They, they could have been business women, uh, just like you, you mentioned. Um, they could have uh, had an inheritance or come from a family that was wealthy. Or they could have had a husband. So there, there's all sorts of ways that women... I think that's a very interesting study for you to do, Olamu, because um, it, I'm fascinated by what it says about these women who supported him. Yeah, take a look at this. It says um, uh, that these women, Mary called Magdalene, uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them from their substance. Yeah. So they had these resources, and they gave unto Jesus. And Mary Magdalene, she obviously did not have a very godly profession beforehand. Oh, now, Kurt, I'm calling you on that. Nowhere does it say that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. No? Okay, no. I'll take it back. Yeah. Uh, I think that we're going to know who Mary... I'm not saying she wasn't, but I don't think the Bible says anywhere that she was. Okay. I think we're going we're gonna to know Mary Magdalene. She's going to be wearing a T-shirt that says, I wasn't a prostitute. <laughs> Stop saying that about me. I, I don't know. Maybe she, I don't know. It's just a tradition that comes That's up. But funny. you, our brilliant viewers, can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that of Mary Magdalene, it's never said that she actually was a prostitute. I think what it is, it says that she was a sinner. That could be. And, and people just, oh, sinner? Well, prostitute. Yeah. So... Okay, okay. I'll take it back. Okay. She was definitely <laughs> demon-possessed. Yes, which usually isn't a moneymaker. No. No. It's a moneymaker for someone else. That's right, yes. yes. Okay, uh, another question from Raquel. Raquel asks this question. How do you think Enoch walked with God and then perfectly that God took him to heaven? That's a good question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Raquel, she's asking, what, what does it mean that Enoch walked with God? What do you think, Kurt? Um, well, walked with God, that means fellowship, that you spent time with the Lord. And, uh, you know, when you, when you walk with someone, you spend time with them, you're visiting with them, you're interested in them, you care about them. And I think there's just a, a close relationship that he had with the Lord. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of cultures, including biblical cultures, use that kind of metaphor of walking yeah. to, to indicate, you know, a progress of life but also of just community together. To walk together with somebody is to share with them. It's to be you know, in a common bond with them. It's to live your life together with them. We sometimes we'll talk about a person's walk. Mm -hmm. And what we really mean is the life that they live. So, And the direction they're going. Yes. If I'm walking with someone, we're going the same place. And anytime you're going the same direction as God, together with him, in sync with him, you're in relationship with him. And that would explain you're in fellowship why he was taken to heaven, because that's where the Lord is. That's so right. Like, he was going in that direction. He's going in that direction anyway. God's like, well, come on. So I, I really think it's just a very basic word picture. It really doesn't have to be complicated, but it's just that very basic, simple idea that he fellowshiped with God. He was in the same direction as God. He was together with God. And in, in obviously, relationally speaking, a very close, intimate way. Yeah. Uh, good, good. All right, we got one last question here. Okay. But before we ask this one last question, deal with it. Tell everybody again about your church. Tell everybody about my church. 
Yeah. Just repeat myself. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, we're Calvary Chapel in Leipzig, Germany, and we've been there for 24 years. And, and I guess a little information about our church is um, we have a f- strong focus on discipleship. Um, mm. And I love to do it with um, outreach. So we're doing a lot of outreach, just taking people out to see the world and getting them, you know, it's one-on-one when you're doing stuff together with people. It's, it's uh, get intimate and close. And so that's a big part of our ministry, and it's, it's, um, it's a lot of fun because you get to bless other people and be encouraged yourself. Yeah, yeah, great. What, um, what are you teaching right now on Sundays? We're just finishing up. Mark, so we're going right through the uh, do, do fiction right now. Do you go right into Luke next, or are you going to do a different book? I will probably skip ahead to Romans. Okay, okay. Good. Wow, Gospel of Mark, that's fun. Yeah, it's, I love, it's probably one of my favorite Gospels. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you like to teach and preach? Do you have fun with it? I, I do have fun with it, yes. I do have fun with it. I mean, obviously you sense a responsibility, but you enjoy yeah. it. No, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy it when, when the Lord has... Um, a message that I can give. Sometimes um, in the business of, of life and ministry, I wish I had more time yeah. to sit there and study and be prepared. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like I've, I've cheated the people because I haven't done enough studying. Yeah, but you're, but you're doing speaking. other things in ministry, yeah. you know? I, I know Curdy is a hard worker, so, yeah. So, yeah. But I do enjoy. I do enjoy and sharing the word of God with people, and because it, it's it's what transforms people's lives. It's what I yes. ministers to them. I mean, That's the right. Lord transforms lives, but it's right. through His word. He, he works in and through His word. Right. Theologically correct. All right, should I get to the last question here? Go for it. Last question comes from Bird Watcher. What is the river of life, and is the tree of life more than one tree? Revelation chapter twenty-two. Well, Revelation chapter twenty-two speaks of a river of life. I'm going to turn to that passage here. Um, Revelation chapter 22. Oh, I just turned to the wrong place. I turned to Revelation chapter 21 or chapter 1. Okay, chapter 22, verse 1, we read, And he showed me, verse 1, Revelation 22, a pure water river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is imagery of life-giving. You know, we need to remember that Israel, the the culture to which the Bible was originally written, is a semi-arid place, and a mighty river was something that was just remarkable in its life-giving properties. And so what we're showing is that there's abundance, there's life, there's all of this, and I I believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to see some kind of literal river that seems to flow from the throne of God. I mean, I don't think that we could draw it out or picture it exactly, but it will be just the idea. We'll, we'll say there's a river. And, and again, it's just speaking of the abundance, the life. And it's also drawing on some Old Testament imagery that, that speaks of that as well. Yeah. yeah. And with the tree of life, it says there's a tree of life that, that bears 12 different fruits in its season. Yes. But I, I don't think that that's more than one tree. I think it's the one tree that... Um, I think so. I would think that there's a single tree of life. I have seen some people try to, in a bizarre way, make artistic rendering of this. I've seen like huge roots that go over the tree, the river of life, right. and you know, it looks like twelve trees in one, and this and that. I think it, most likely it's just one tree. But uh, hi, Mandy. Mandy's the leader of the bookstore. I just waved to her. Anyway, uh, I think it's one tree of life. 
Um, but you know what? Ultimately, we're going to find out when we get there, won't we? But th that's the way I immediately think of it. Like, we'll see when we get there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think of it as being one tree, but we'll find out. I think that's the most natural reading of it. Okay, good. All right. Kurt, that's it for today. Right. We're going to say goodbye to our Bye, folks. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody says that you're supposed to click like and subscribe and notification. Do that if you want to. But I'm just pleased to uh, come to you from Ziegen, Germany, and introduce you to some of my good friends, mm -hmm. and including Kurt. So goodbye, everybody. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry and how to grow in your relationship with Jesus, please visit EnduringWord.com.